Hi, welcome to valuationpodcast.com, a podcast and video series about all things related to business and valuation. My name is Melissa Gregg, and I'm a valuation expert in St. Louis, Missouri. I have the pleasure of discussing the impact of COVID-19 on business valuations and this concept called E-B-I-T-D-A-C, so EBITDA with a C, with Ashil Aku, a business valuation expert in Washington, D.C. Welcome, Ashil. How are you? I'm doing very well, uh, Melissa. Thank you so much for the invitation. It's a pleasure. It's an honor to be uh, uh, part of your guest. This is a very uh, uh, sought-after show, and I think... Uh, the opportunity to be able to share my thought with the public, but if your 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 public is uh, it's 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 an honor for me. Thank you so much. Oh well, thank you. Well, the reason why we kind of wanted to get you on the podcast is because you're writing a lot of information about COVID-19 and the pandemic and its effect on business valuations. And mm -hmm. I think any business that is currently going through a valuation or considering a valuation mm -hmm. really has no idea how this impacts it. So mm -hmm. I think a simple place that we can start is how is the pandemic really impacting small business valuations? Can you kind of walk us through some of the things that that people are seeing? Mm -hmm. Right. So this is a this is a, a new normal. It's becoming a new normal nowadays. Uh, when this pandemic hit us uh, back in February, uh, we remember the stock market went down. Um, everything everything went upside down. People were doing were really surprised by the impact of that virus on our society and. Uh, and it really has not changed till today. We're hoping that it was going to be gone by this time, uh, but it's still lingering, it's still around. It is even a second wave that is still wreaking havoc in our communities. And so it's um, the impact on small business is absolutely uh, devastating. It's, it's amazing how, uh, despite all the efforts of uh, uh, different uh, states and the federal government and and you know, business owners, investors, you know, we're still feeling the pain of that virus, and the impact of that virus on business valuation is even more devastating because people are losing, uh, uh, you know, the the wealth that they built over time in their businesses. So, the way to really analyze the impact of this coronavirus on business valuation is through um, three metrics or three uh, drivers that are drivers of value. Um, that would be cash flow, that would be growth, and that would be risk. So um, we're going to talk about those three different aspects uh, of the impact of coronavirus. Well, and I think that, that part of the issue with small businesses, just like you identified, is we all thought that this would be over. Mm -hmm. And and so now we have a longer time frame with which to deal with it. But mm -hmm. uh, in general, though, you know, in the business valuation community, we've all agreed that business valuations after December 31st, 2019, that that was the, the last date that we did. We could possibly have not known about the pandemic. That's right. right. So right. there, and this date becomes important because anything after kind of January 1st, 2020 and on, mm -hmm. we have to take into account 
the effects of the pandemic and COVID-19 on mm -hmm. current cash flows and on future cash flows. So, Absolutely. I mean, that becomes important in the valuation community. And that's why everybody's talking about this. Um, but you break it down even further. And so let's start with what is the impact of the pandemic on cash flow? Because that's where a lot of people are concerned right now. Where am I going to get the money? And can I get funding or, you know, however I get debt and things like that. So tell us about cash flow. Right. So we all know that cash flow comes from your earnings and your earnings derives from your revenues. Right. So um, it's, it's the impact of the COVID on revenues is absolutely directly impacting your, 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 your cash flow. Right. So if because people uh, can go out and shop and do what they normally do, uh, and spend the money and do whatever they always do because they they they're locked in their homes or you know they can't you know for whatever reasons, so that has a direct impact on small business owners. It has an impact directly on their revenues and the revenues, um, you know, are where businesses measure how grow how 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 they grow what the the profitability comes from from that revenue. So the expenses usually are about fixed. They are fixed. You have usually fixed expenses, some very, very expenses, but most of the time they're fixed. And so, um, so when you deduct that, you get your profit, right? Cash flow, the, the, don't, cash flow comes from profit. Once your profit go down, your cash flow goes down. Therefore, the impact of your valuation is felt right there. Absolutely. Well, and I think that even in this pandemic, mm -hmm. I mean, we've also seen some companies that exponentially are more profitable yes. in the pandemic that were not profitable before. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's trying to get a handle on, you know, what is the impact, but we also have to, so first we have to understand cash flow, right? And then we have to understand what is the impact of the pandemic on growth and what, it, what do we even mean by growth? Right, growth is about the when when a company uh, is slated to grow, for example, at two percent or three percent, you know, year to year, right? So it's it depends. It's the projection that companies do for themselves. You know, they project that they're going to be growing two percent or three percent, you know, the, this year or the following year. So when that projections it it's it's put into question because of the fact that we're not sure about what's going to happen in the economy, we don't fully grasp what's going to happen in our surroundings, you know. Um, so we kind of feel like or, well, this growth may not be realized. And so because those growth projections are not, um, um, we can't rely on those growth projections anymore. It has an impact on our revenue and therefore our valuation. So the growth potential of a company is what small investors or big investors look for. They come to your business. They want to look for the growth potential of your company. And when they find out that, wait a minute, those your, th those growth potential are not are not there anymore. They're not reliable. So they start feeling that, hmm, there is a risk, you know, for me here to go into this business. So they're reluctant to invest. And because of that, it impacts directly your, 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 your cash flow, which, again, impacts the valuation of the company. So that's the impact of growth here. Because a lot of times we're looking at growth from revenue growth, mm -hmm. from expense growth, mm -hmm. um, even a long-term growth rate, mm -hmm. which in the past, you know, we would look to various industry resources and sources of 
historically, what's the growth been in this industry? And now we have the pandemic and it's like, wait a second, what, how are we supposed to predict the future when there's so much uncertainty, right? Absolutely. And we can't even rely upon the historical growth in the actual company, which is also difficult, right? Absolutely. And then we have the impact of the pandemic on risk or the discount rate or capitalization rate. A lot of people know it by different terms, but talk about how it's affecting the risk. Right. So the risk of an an organization include external risk and internal risk. So external risk are risk to the industry uh, that the company is involved in, risk um, to the economy, in the economy, uh, you know, nationwide, the economy of your state or your region. So those risks, those external risks are risks that you cannot control. A business owner cannot control those risks. But the business owner has to try to use that and try to find ways to mitigate those risks in, 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 in his company. But there are also internal risks. So internal risks are risks that are related to, you know, the internal operations of the business, including, for example, um, you know, customer diversification. If you don't have enough uh, customer diversification, that could be an internal risk. If you also have, uh, let's say, one key person that is working for your business, that uh, if that person is sick, then you can't run your business anymore. That is a high risk as well. So those are type of internal risk. So when those two are combined and then added to the, the impact of COVID, which creates even, even more uncertainties and more risk, then the impact on valuation is really, really hard. So mm-hmm. Uh, so the higher the risk, the less the value for a company. So if your your company is very risky, the value of a company is going to go down. This is why it's important to really have a good understanding of those risks and try to find ways to handle them in a way that will save your company's value. Yeah, and I think that people don't always understand how we look at risk. And mm-hmm. if we look at a discount rate or a cap rate, we're going to build it up right? And we're going to build it up with a risk-free rate, which is lower now. We're mm-hmm. going to build it up with an equity rate or an equity risk premium, which is lower now. So in theory, there's less risk, right? Because r- interest rates are lower, but the company-specific risk or the risk having to do with that particular company is higher. So it's it's sort of like you would think that the risk would go down, but that doesn't make logical sense because we're in the middle of a pandemic. And so the reality is it's really risk related to that specific company that is exponentially going up, even when the other rates are going down, which it's all also, you know, it just makes our job a little bit more interesting and difficult, right? Absolutely. Very challenging. <laughs> so that's why the, we have to take into account. And, you know, you mentioned earlier that uh, uh, since um, the COVID prior December 2000, December 31, 2019, COVID was not in existence. So um, we cannot really count that uh, as part of uh, our valuation, as part of something that we can foresee uh, that was foreseeable or known or knowable at the time of the valuation. So that's why when an expert does evaluation, you know, he has to pay attention to the date of the valuation. You know, he has to make sure he has a conversation with uh, a business owner to find out what is exactly the date of the valuation. If it's, you know, prior COVID, it's it's going to be different than, you know, you know, pre-COVID. 
So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, then after COVID. So it's going to be something that they would have to figure out first. And then based on the answer of the owner, then they will decide what is it that they need to do. But that's right. the first thing they need to do. Find out of the data evaluation. Well, and I think the concept of known and knowable is an important one. And so the only analogy that I can give is if on <clears throat> January 2nd of 2020, your business building everything burnt to the ground. Mm-hmm. On December 31st, you didn't know that it was going to burn to the ground. And if our valuation is as of December 31st, even if we're valuing it in March, right? So we Mm -hmm. know the building burned to the ground. What was known or knowable as of that December 31st was that this business would just continue. We didn't know it was going to burn to the ground. And so we can't incorporate that information. And I think that that's a difficult concept to understand because even what we knew in March about the pandemic was completely different than what we know now, mm-hmm. right? And it's probably going to be different than what we know in six more months. Yeah. Um, but it comes to a very interesting term. So everybody knows what EBITDA is or EBITDA. People say it all different. But mm-hmm. what is EBITDA with the C at the end or EBITDA or I don't know what we can call right. it. But well, what does that mean? Right. EBITDA is earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. Now, the C that is new today is coronavirus. So what is it? it, it it's a new metric. It's called, it's called a known gap metric um, that some companies are using uh, to add back uh, some of the uh, losses that they have incurred because of the COVID. And they're adding that back on their um, on their uh, income statement or the you know and the balance sheet and things like that. And so it's skewing. It is skewing. Uh, you know the the numbers, the the numbers, and allowing them to be able to um, get more loans from lending institutions because they uh what 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 you have what happens is that the leverage ratio of the company is. It's not the correct one. It's 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 a, it's it's affected by that add back, which makes things look good when they are not that good. In fact, so when those numbers are tweaked like that, um, you know they can allow a company to get a loan from a bank because the bank is going to read some numbers that are wrong, but we not know they're wrong, and give that client it's a loan, which that client may not be able to repay later. Uh, and then, therefore, maybe go to bankruptcies and, and, and kind of issues can arise. So, so for that reason, um, many uh, um, um, organizations are against using that metric. Uh, if, um, most of these organizations are, are organizations that protect investors. Uh, the SEC, for example, um, um, is one of the main organizations in the United States that prohibit the use of that metric. But uh, we still see that around. And uh, so it's it's something of a concern at this point. Well, and I think that in general, people are kind of trying to get to EBITDA to see what the cash flows of a business. So if right. you're adding back, basically, okay, it costs me 200 grand to, you know, 
clean everything and, and get the proper equipment and right. all of this stuff, right? right? You're just saying, well, let's just remove that $200,000 of expenses because it's going to end, right? Because we all thought this would be over by now. Yeah. And it's artificially increasing cash flow, which makes the business still seem profitable, but we're ignoring the fact that what if these expenses continue, That's right? Correct. Or you have other expenses that continue. Now, right. in the same in the same breath, though, I think that you could look at a company. What if they're wildly successful during the pandemic? Do right. we think that that's going to continue? Well, we don't know. So the, the pandemic is taking through different rides, and some people are making more money than they usually do. Um, and so, and some are, you know, but the, but, but we know the vast majority are losing business. They're losing money. So. There are few companies, few industries that are making money. That is that is a fact. Uh, if there, if it's those those industries that make, uh, you know, I don't know, um, um, masks, masks, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, you know, all these uh, products that are you know coronavirus related. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely they will they will they will thrive. Um, but but for the most uh, retail stores, restaurants, hotels, you know, transportation companies out there. They are really, really feeling the pain very, very badly. So, um, so it's something that we need to figure out how to deal with. But we cannot, um, you know, for for the sake of trying to maintain your business, you know, start reporting raw numbers to the SEC, feeling you know because you know you have an excuse or oh, well because of the corona I should have made two hundred thousand dollars more in my, in my you know in terms of revenue, but because of that I can't make that more. That, that that extra extra income and therefore i'm going to uh, add that back as part of the coronavirus uh, new metric so no it's a no no yeah yeah well but i think that you bring up a good point because the sec isn't really somebody to mess with and so why are some companies still using this non-gap metric um and you know should they reconsider yeah, I think definitely, uh, especially publicly uh, traded companies uh, who uh, publish their their um, their their statement to the the SEC <clears throat> uh, every quarter, or every every year. Yeah, so they have to be very careful about using those type of metrics because that could come back and, and hurt them very, very, very badly. So. Um, Absolutely. Um, so they they should they should stray away from that. And many organizations, like I said, are prohibiting the use of that metric. It's a non-gap metric. It's not something that is that makes sense. Just because yeah. you, you know of a situation, you lost money. You don't get that. You don't get. You don't get to discount that loss because you know you feel because of what you feel. No, it's a reality you have to deal with, and so uh, it's it's important to keep things real. But what if I'm a non-public company? Like, what if I'm just a privately held, smaller business? And, you know, why should I get dinged for all of this extra expenses? Um, and do I care what the SEC says? Because I'm just trying to get more investors. So I'm right. just showing this metric. Do you think it's maybe reasonable to use it at that point? From the business valuation expert standpoint, it's very dangerous if they venture in that area. Uh, remember, valuation, um, if you do valuation, people use the valuation report for a variety of purposes. You know, for example, for tax purpose, it goes to the IRS and the IRS 
has to use uh, has to um, uh, use that report to be able to issue a tax bill. For example, in the case of a gift tax or an estate tax, um, you know, it's a case of an estate tax, for example. Uh, and then the, the the evaluation reports is also used by lending institutions, by investors, and things like that. So if you submit a wrong report based on wrong data, that is that is going to give a false impression to those people who are using that report. And that could come back, as we know, uh, you know, business valuation experts are also uh, vulnerable in that area. They could be uh, fine or they could be, you know, there are all kind of sanctions that we can we could be going through, even litigation in some cases, if it's really egregious. So people have to be very careful. Just because it's a private institution doesn't give you the right to be able to uh, issue reports that are based on false information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is where we kind of come in and use professional judgment. You know, we're trying to say, okay, I I understand that maybe these expenses are not going forward, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, we still are showing a loss or there's still actual happen. But, and I know we talked about the SEC, but are regulators really for or against this metric? Um, you know, and, and do they have clear positions or are they just now starting to take positions on this metric? I think from the beginning, uh, and I think the SEC also issued some rulings on that a few months ago, around June, uh, you know, uh, warning people who are trying to use that metric not to do so. Um, so uh, they are overwhelmingly against uh, that uh, the use of that metric, overwhelmingly. So... Uh, it, it would be wise for people to stay away from that. And so to that end, like what would be the consequences if we use the metric as a right. public company, as a private company, you know, you've, you've talked a little bit about how, if you're going to send it to the IRS, that's going to be an issue, yes. but are there any other consequences? Are there consequences for valuation people that maybe use this metric? Yeah. So yes, yeah, just what I said earlier, valuation people may have, cons- may have consequences because, they may get fined or, you know, the IRS uh, could uh, sanction them in different ways. I think I know, I mean, valuation experts know that they, they they have to be very careful in, 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 in using professional judgment uh, because uh, they could they could face some consequences, um, you know, and they, they don't know the extent of the consequences at that point. But uh, it's important to be careful when you analyze a business um, understand, especially if the valuation date is as of, you know, these times, you know, when the COVID is already hitting, you have to be very careful in doing the analysis properly and making sure that um, there is no overstatement of, or, 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 or understatement of, of, some of the some of the numbers that uh, people are, are bringing to you. So you have to be uh, very um, rigorous in that regard. And based on that, so that you can uh, you can have a good valuation report that you can defend uh, if uh, anything comes um, comes back against you. Because <laughs> we never know, we know, but litigation always happens. You know, we are also vulnerable to litigation, so things can happen, and you don't want to put yourself, you know, at risk. And for small business owners, it's very important for them to report their numbers accurately, regardless of the fact that they don't like it. They don't like it. That's fine, but you have to report the numbers appropriately, so that. Um, you know, we can uh, analyze the businesses as they are as of the data valuation, not a fictional, you know, number because of what they feel the number should be. 
Yeah, totally understand. Yeah. Well, and I think that one question that <clears throat> kind of comes from this is like, how should we deal with COVID-19 in a business valuation? Either in a, maybe we need to go through it from a cash flow standpoint, a growth standpoint and a risk standpoint. But in general, what are some of the things that you're seeing, mm -hmm. you know, um, and how are you dealing with it in in a business valuation? You know, because in some respect, I think from my perspective is that we are having to go much deeper and mm -hmm. in, in the analysis part of the history, but mm -hmm. also much deeper in projecting what the future looks like you know, and understanding the expenses going forward. Um, but what are you seeing as ways that we can deal with this in a business valuation? Well, <laughs> there are different people that are dealing differently with this, this issue. I've, I've spoken to some business valuation experts who are saying if the valuation date is after the COVID, it, they will not take the valuation. <laughs> oh. I've, seen, I've seen some people say it. I've heard some people say that. You know, some, some people email me and talk to me about that uh, in some conversations. Uh, but um, some people are unsettled. They're, they're not really sure how to um, deal with this. Um, so, um, um, but it's 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 our job as business valuation expert to um, learn to incorporate economic situations into our, our work. And, and so do it the professional way without trying to uh, um, you know, make some uh, outrageous judgments and things like that. So we look at the numbers as they are, and we analyze the business as we always do, and then determine the value based on what we know. Um, so that's that's the standard, and we have to uh, keep staying in, in uh, you know on that standard regardless of whether COVID is here or not. So if uh, someone doesn't feel comfortable doing a variation um, during this COVID time. I think it's best to uh, take some time and really understand the company, understand the business, um, do a good analysis, and, and, and they will feel comfortable. Uh, nothing, nothing has changed in terms of the way we, 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 we do our, our job, uh, the way we value companies. It's just that there is an element that comes in and that really affects profitability for companies. And if it affects the profitability, it should not affect the way we do our job. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the reality is the businesses that have been consistent, you know, um, insurance companies, some accounting firms, you know, there are certain lines of work that people are going to need that work regardless of what's happened in the pandemic. And so you kind of have a consistent pre-COVID, post-COVID results. Well, those are the easy ones, right? Like, we're just kind of coming in and doing what our normal job. It's the other ones that we start to see that either have a dip or an increase. And the hard part is we don't know if you could just eliminate that, you know, right. so the EBIT doc, whatever we want to call it, is basically just saying, you know what, we're just going to get rid of that. We're just going to act like it doesn't exist. And you're as profitable as you have been in the past. But that may not mirror the economic reality, which is this has significantly changed. You know, everybody talks about a new normal from like as a human, right? Mm -hmm. But we're dealing with the new normal of the business. That's right. And 
okay, so now how do we predict the future or can we use the past? And there isn't, you know, the, the unfortunate part is you and I could sit here for the next 24 hours discussing it, right? Right. But there is no answer. And so you have to use your professional judgment and you have to use, you know, go deeper in the industry, go deeper in the effects of this business and have more discussions even with the business owner right. of where they anticipate going. You know, I've seen some companies that have really, um, I, I don't necessarily like the word, but they've pivoted and they've done it well. And they're, they may no longer go back to that old type of business. That's right. So we can't really value it or can we value it based on the historical operations? Absolutely. You know? There, there are a lot of changes, a lot of structural changes that many companies will have to do if they want to survive. And so we, we, we as experts have to take that into account. And uh, so it's, um, it's, it's again, like just, just like you said, you know, we have to talk more, we have to discuss more. Um, projections are one of the key, one of the key uh, methods that people use uh, to value companies with this COVID-19 now. Um, because everything, uh, we can't rely on historicals anymore because of the fact that we don't know what the horizon is going to be. And those numbers that we had in the past, they don't apply today. So we have to probably go back. Uh, I mean, uh, we have to probably use uh, projections uh, and, and, then, and then based on data that we have today, it's been around, COVID has been around now since what, five months, six months now. So we have some data that we've already uh, gathered from the company. And then so we can use that and extrapolate. But what we know for a fact that companies are only going to go, um, you know, are, are only going to do better from this point on. But we don't know how long this point is going to last. Mm-hmm. And that's where our professional judgment is going to come to matter here in terms of how we're going to project, you know, those um, those uh, revenues and, and, and then try to um, um, value the company based on those projections. Yeah. And, Mm -hmm. and I think let's just talk a little bit about projections Mm -hmm. and company forecasts and um, you know, a lot of small businesses don't necessarily create a forward looking projection forecast, whatever you want to call it. And I know everybody has nuances about which one's which, right. But in general, smaller businesses, maybe under 10 million in revenue under 50 million in revenue, who knows, they may not have a practice to come up with that. Do you work with the business owners if they're coming in for evaluation? Do you work with them to kind of cultivate some of that? Um, Or are you, you know, because there's a lot of people in the industry that have different opinions, but or are you sort of hands off, they need to come up with something and then I'll rely on it. Right, so that is that is a conversation I had with my team here in Maryland, uh, Maryland in DC, where we had the uh, a COVID nineteen uh, event um, uh, back in May. Um, so yeah, that's that's essentially a business or a business expert should should only um, they can you can work with the business owner to create projections, but those projections have to be owned by the owner. Okay, you cannot be doing projections and doing the valuation you know, at the same time uh, directly. So you can help, you can guide business owners to do their projections. And then based on their projection, you can use that now 
as a you know as an independent expert and do evaluation. So that's been the standard um, for for projections. So that would be normally two separate engagement. Some people do two separate engagement. One engagement to help the owner put together some projections. Uh, because what happens is even when they give us those projections, we still have to analyze them and see how realistic they are and maybe, you know, have our input, maybe accept them or reject them. So we can guide them to, to do that. But those projections are coming from management. It's not our own. They, the management owns it. And then we can uh, therefore use that at that point to uh, determine the, the value of the company. Yeah. Most of the time we're kind of trying to pressure test it, right? We're trying yeah. to say that doesn't quite make sense. Or, you know, a lot of times we can pull industry data, you right. know, valuation people have a lot of access to industry reports that other people don't have access to. And we can look at, well, your gross profit should be around here or your net income should be around here. Why do you think you're exponentially more profitable than everybody else in the industry? And then they have to kind of defend that. I think yeah. in some capacity, definitely. but I definitely agree. Management has to buy into the projections and be a, an integral part of it. Um, because I don't know how I many, how much are you going to sell next year? That's, definitely. you know, or I've seen business owners also get like their main salespeople involved with some of it. Mm -hmm. Um, but either way, we still come in and try to take a, a, devil's advocate look at it and say, hmm, is that really what's going to happen? Or is that pie yeah, in the sky? Exactly. Uh, question the assumptions, you have to question, you know, a lot of things. And then once we're satisfied, uh, then we can we can say, okay. Uh, otherwise, you know, they have to be reviewed to, uh, because it doesn't really do a business owner any good to have a valuation that is overstated. It's not, it's not in, his, in their interest. So they have to understand that it's for their interest, for their best interest, that valuations, uh, the value of the company has to really reflect what's really worth, what the company is really worth, and in, in, in not some fictitious numbers to make to please them. No, that's not what we do. So, um, so the data that they give us, they really have to be uh, rooted in some really uh, strong, um, you know, some strong uh, data, uh, you know. Or, or market analysis from you know market analysis companies and things like that, or the projections have to really be realistic, very realistic. Uh, otherwise, uh, it's just valuation for valuation, which is mm -hmm. not uh, in the in the interest of the uh, of business owners or it or the valuation ex expert for that matter. Yeah, and I mean, <clears throat> realistically, an income approach is a product of cash flow and risk that the cash flow will continue. Mm -hmm. And so what we're seeing is that we have to spend way more time understanding the cash flow going forward and the risk going forward. Um, whereas in the past, we could rely upon the historical operations. And so if you, if you have no reference point from history, right? And that's not every company, we, we understand that. But for some of the companies directly negatively impacted by COVID, we can no longer rely on the past. And then we have to look towards the future. And that's also a highly unknown. And yeah. so some people are kind of saying, okay, well, maybe do the cash flow of best case and worst case and like probability based, right. Right. Um, which also comes to be more subjective 
as well. So, you know, the reality is there's not a lot of right answers to the question of what do we do now, but there are a lot more questions of, you know, does this really reflect the economic reality of the company? That's right. That's and, and, and sometimes we don't know. I mean, a lot of people are predicting maybe we'll come out of this at the end of 2021. Yeah. You know, so, so <laughs> we'll just sit back and relax and, and hope till then. Now, in the same breath, I don't know if you get involved in any uh, mergers and acquisitions, but this really, it, you know, companies are still buying and selling right now. And there's still profitable companies out there. Um, so just assuming that we don't know what's going to happen doesn't mean that these activities aren't continuing to go on. Um, people are still really needing the services. I think they just have to understand that there's more involved than what used to happen in the past. Exactly. Absolutely. So we've talked about a lot about COVID and pandemic, but one thing we haven't talked about is you, your company, your background, um, and you've, you, you've, you know, we talked about at the beginning, you've written, you write a lot, but you've written about this concept, but tell us more about you and your background. Well, my name is Ashireku. I am a, a business valuation expert uh, coming from uh, the bank uh, industry, the banking industry, where I worked uh, for around 20 years uh, at different positions. The last one was I was a regional manager. Uh, vice president for a big organization that I'm not going to name here. But uh, I, yeah, I've been banking for a while. And uh, the reason I left the bank was because I felt that uh, I uh, there, is n there were no more challenges for me. I wanted to go into an area where I would challenge myself uh, even more. And I happened to have an MBA and I was doing my, my doctorate degree at the time. And I, so I felt I felt that it was it was good for me to move into something different. So business valuation came along. I discovered business valuation just by accident, but I was thinking about doing it already uh, because I noticed that many of my clients, uh, especially business clients, uh, they were getting um, uh, loans, uh, loan, their loan applications declined a lot. And so that really made me think, wait a minute, why are they declining those loans so much? And uh, so the bank uh, metrics for loans is debt income ratio and things like that. Um, so I discovered that, wait a minute, if they could submit a business valuation report with the loan application, even though uh, the ratio were, uh, may not be uh, what the bank is looking for, that could also have a big weight on um, uh, underwriters' decisions. And so I started, you know, advising people to get a business valuation and put in the reports. And lo and behold, people start getting more loans approved. So that made me think, wow, so I need to get into this niche. And how do I get into this niche? Uh, a simple Google took me to NACVA, which I discovered and I submitted my application. I did my certification. Uh, I passed my test the first time. And so I got my CVA since, 19, since 2012. So uh, so that's what I do. I'm the chair, chair, I mean, president and CEO of the Washington Valuation Group. I'm also the state chapter president for NACVA in Maryland in DC. And uh, I am also I also published a book recently, uh, uh, 30 Frequently Asked Questions in Business Valuation. We had a lot of success uh, with that book. NACVA even purchased 
um, a lot of copies and, and sold them very fast. So they want more copies. So we we see. So I have other books that I'm writing. Uh, but in in addition, I also publish in 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 the, in the NACVS in NACVS journals, Quick Read, um, and other journals. And so yeah, so this topic uh, is very new and dear to me because I feel I see a lot of business owners going through difficult times. Uh, with this COVID, so I thought, you know, they needed some advice from experts like us. And when I looked around, I didn't see, um, you know, pretty much any, anything out there. So I thought that I could I could contribute to that. And so that's why I publish a lot on this area. So, well, and, and, and I think that it's important to help business owners understand what's entailed in this process, absolutely. you know, or, or if they're bankable, you know, like yeah. sometimes we do valuations, but we don't talk like somebody's bankable, <clears throat> like they can go get money to do whatever they need to do. And, sure. you know, it, it also traditionally, I think business valuations are a big eye opener to business, um, business owners, right. you know, everybody usually thinks their business is worth way more than it is. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so this gives them kind of a reality check. Um, in some cases, they don't think it's, you know, they think it's worth not much and it's worth a lot, but most of the time they think, um, you know, it's worth way more. So we're kind of bringing in some reality, um, but also it's really just a strategic planning type of thing, I think, mm -hmm. um, that people can use it. Because if you don't know, I mean, with your bank account, you can look in your bank account and be like, I need to work more. It's going down, you know, yeah. or I can slough off. But with a business, you're just like, uh, I can't really figure out what it's worth, what it's changed and things like that. So um, I think that's helpful. But yeah. we are definitely going to uh, give everybody's give your information to everybody who's listening. Uh, it will be posted and they can certainly reach out to you via email or even phone if they have questions. Because I think they will, you know, people do have questions about this concept. Right. Um, but also your book about 30 questions. 30, I like that. Oh, you do? <laughs> Thank I you. I do. Thank we you. need to do another podcast about the 30 <laughs> questions. Come on. That'd be great. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. In time, we do that. Absolutely. There you go. Well, Ashil, it's always a pleasure. I appreciate you um, and your knowledge in this space. And uh, hopefully we will see you again soon. Right. So I just want to add that I'm also an NACBA board member. Yes. And I serve on the valuation credentialing board of NACBA. Yes. Thank you. Very important. Thank, Thank you, you, sir. Talk to you soon. Thank you.